With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, everybody, welcome back into this Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line. Is it Wednesday? Is it Tuesday? It's Tuesday. It's all right. That's a great way to start off the hour. Hi, Michael. Michael Lombardi and Stormy Bonantoni with you. We're recapping Monday Night Football, so I should be well aware that it's Tuesday, but I'm just getting ahead of myself. I think that the Thanksgiving thought process is already just all over my head. I'm thinking about turkey. I'm thinking about stuffing, and for whatever reason, I'm getting my days mixed up. It's quite all right, Stormy. Look, this is a great week, right? We have Thursday games, Friday games, college games, Saturday games, Sunday games, Monday. It's 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 the best time of the year. It really is. Got Black Friday. You, have to, you don't have to go shopping. You can just sit on Amazon and buy anything you want, which is awesome. And your first Christmas as, as a married couple, that'll oh. be awesome for you, too. So this is the best time of the year. Enjoy it. And we got football games to bet on. And there's a lot. I mean, I don't know if you can honestly say right now the best team in the NFL is. There's a lot of good teams. Is it, it you know, Philly's beatable, even though they're 8-1 eight and, eight and or 9-1, and one, right? The Chiefs look beatable. San Francisco's beatable, right? Baltimore's beatable. Like, it's this is what this is what we're looking forward to the next eight weeks because – who is going to play better? Whose pad level is going to stay down? Who's going to be able to run the football when they need to run it? Who's going to get better from this point forward? This is the best time of the year. It really is. And who's going to stay healthy to create some of that separation, too, yeah. because that's obviously going to be a critical piece based on what we've seen specifically this season more than any other at the most important position on the field, the way that some of these quarterbacks have gone down like flies and rookies having to be injected into situations. Like the Browns, I think, are a great example of a team that at 7-3 and three right now was best defense in the league, starting to hit its stride, and then Deshaun Watson – feeling himself a little bit, overcoming the injuries, and then he's done for the season. So, yeah, it's really, really interesting as we get going here, filling things out. And then we got to see two of those top-tier teams go head-to-head last night in the Eagles, who ended up ultimately winning as a two-and-a-half-point dog, 21-17 to in Arrowhead against Kansas City, holding the Chiefs, which I'm going to keep reiterating this as a fascinating stat, keeping the Chiefs off the board in the second half for a third straight game, Michael. Yeah, I mean, it's just somewhat remarkable, right? I mean, the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, one of the best adjustment coaches in the National Football League, a guy that's got multiple – I mean, he's looking at a, at a playlist that's got everything on it, and they've scored 19 points in the second half in the fourth quarter all year. They, they haven't covered numbers in the fourth quarter. I mean, they – you know, we, we're used to that – their fourth quarter lack of covering, right? How many times during the 22-21 season that you wanted to take the Chiefs, but you were scared they weren't going to cover, you know, and they were going to disappoint you because they won the game, but they never covered, right? Now they're struggling to finish off games. I mean, last night was a perfect example. They had plenty of time to go back down the field. Look, they make the play, Scantling drops the ball, but this offense has struggled. They've averaged 21 points the last six weeks. They turn it over too much. They can't make explosive plays. Their defense is carrying them. And all the players know it, too. Their defense is carrying them. 
and they need to figure something out as it pertains to their wide receivers because nobody's stepping up when they need to. They lead the NFL in drops by receiving targets this year. Uh, now the Chiefs have to turn around, Michael, and come here to Vegas, taking on the Las Vegas Raiders, who have been chippy. And yes, I know that their two wins since um, Antonio Pierce has stepped in have been against the New York teams and the Giants and the Jets, but they just played the Miami Dolphins pretty tight and showed they were still chippy and competitive this past week. They're getting near double digits at home against Kansas City. Do you think that this is a spot where the Chiefs bounce back against a lesser than opponent or the Raiders going to continue to be feisty? Well, when the Raiders played San Francisco last year with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback, and they had a chance to beat him, and, and you know, the game, uh, Stidham throws the late interception. The next week, Kansas City comes to town, and they get beat. And so, you know, Kansas City dominated them. Now, if you go back to the game in Kansas City, uh, they had a chance, the Raiders had a chance to actually win that game. But Kansas City's defense is different from that long ago in Kansas City to today. Here's where the game gets hard for me to take the Raiders and the nine and a half. The Raiders need to run the ball. They, need to, they can't have a rookie quarterback throw it 41 times. This is why I thought last week the 13 and a half was a good play because they weren't going to be able to run the ball. That proved to be true. And the, the Miami Dolphins held the Raiders to 13 points, which is kind of what I thought they would get. Where I mishandicapped the game was I thought Miami would score 30. <laughs> and they scored 20, Right. And so there lies the problem. And so I'm not intimidated by the nine and a half because in my mind, I don't know how the Raiders score 13 on Kansas City. They're not going to get it's going to be hard. They're going to need to make a play interception turnover. And I really think it'll be hard for the Raiders to hold Kansas City to under 27. So there it there it lies. And even though they won't be great offensively, you know, that, that'll be the problem. Now, they'll take away Kelsey. They've done that before. The game in Kansas City last year, remember, Kelsey had four touchdown passes, and I think he had four catches for like nine yards. They did a really good job in the game on him, but they couldn't stop everybody else. But I just think it's going to be hard for the Raiders to move the ball against this front. Last week, they didn't have Colton Miller at left tackle. Illuminor is not going to be able to hold up at left tackle against this front. Gonna be a tough matchup for sure, but I will say this about the Raiders: three and zero ATS with Antonio Pierce, four and one ATS at home this season, including four straight and yep. home underdogs in the National Football League of six and a half points or more: nine one and one ATS, six and five outright. So just keep that in your back pocket. Again, these are just yeah. trends; they're not saying this is what you should do, but to help you formulate your thoughts a little bit. How about the Eagle side of this, Michael? Because they next step take on the Buffalo Bills. They are laying three and a half. Half total 48 and a half and the bills often seem to wake up this past week against the jets putting up 36 points uh their first cover though in their last seven games well they you know they they covered but let's i never felt they were in rhythm you know last week when once the game got out of hand take that back i mean they make the 80 yard pass this will be a different challenge against philadelphia right philly's going to be hard to run the ball on. i know kansas city ran the ball last night but kansas city's offensive line is way more physical than the Buffalo Bills. There's just no doubt. The Kansas City's run game with Pacheco is more physical. You're going to have to run the ball a little bit, but Allen's going to have to make plays, and you're going to have to be able to block this Philadelphia front, which has caused Buffalo some issues. It's hard to get hard to get Allen on the ground. My issue comes on Buffalo's defense. If they got to play toe-to-toe with Philly, and Philly, who wants to run the ball, there's no question they want to run the football, right? They're going to have a hard time stopping this Philly ground attack. If they try to play nickel against this Philly ground attack, it'll be problematic, and it won't be quarterback draw with, with Jalen Hurts. It'll be power runs. If it closes at this number, this will be the first time since week 14 of 2021 that the Bills are an underdog of more than a field goal. They are not used to being in this position. That said, when I first looked at the number, I was like, oh, the Eagles, no-brainer. But now that scares me. That I think that way, <laughs> especially given what we've seen from Buffalo yeah. this past week. I just don't. I just well, don't trust Buffalo. Too, you got to you got to look at the weather now. I mean, I think we're getting we're expected to get bad weather here on the Eastern Seaboard in the next two days. I looked at the Miami game is critical on the handicap of the weather. Critical. I think if Miami would have played last night in in Kansas City, that would have not been pretty for Tua. Now, Friday night, Friday afternoon in the Meadowlands, we're looking at 10-mile-an-hour winds and 
mid 40 degree temperature. Not so bad, but the wind's going to be a factor. Philadelphia on Sunday, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, probably low, in the mid 40s, very, you know, little wind, but that could all change. I think weather has got to be all part of our conversation moving forward and how players play in the weather. I thought, didn't you think last night both quarterbacks struggled throwing the football in the weather? I absolutely did, Michael. And it's one of those things that it's tricky because when you're looking at these weather reports and you see rain, you don't think that that's going to impact you as much. It's the wind that is. But I felt like the rain was an issue last night as well. And again, but I don't know, like for, for the Chiefs specifically, all of the drops that they had, I don't want to put that on the weather because they've done that all season long. But putting the ball yeah. on the field, obviously that's something that you can't have happen. And um, turnovers, Stormy. Yeah, the I mean, tur- turnovers, red zone turnovers I mean, Kelsey were Kelsey turns, I mean, Mahomes throws that. That's a bad interception by Mahomes. If he if he throws it to the back of the end zone, it's either a touchdown or an incomplete pass, right? And then Kelsey, you know, Kelsey turns that ball over, you know, in the second half. They're going to score there. They, they're going to get at least three there, right? They were two of four in the red zone, Michael. The two that they did not convert, they turned it over. So that's not what you're right. looking for if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. And the two they did convert, Stormy, were on third down. That's what's so maddening about it, right? Third down, biggest play. Third down, red zone, biggest play of the game. They turn, they, they create the touchdown, but yet they can't they can't they can't stop from turning the ball over in the red zone. Coming out of that game, were you more encouraged by the Eagles continuing to find ways to win, or discouraged that the Chargers couldn't get it done again? Well, I was encouraged. The, the look, winners find ways to win. But what what told me about that game was this: the Super Bowl champion has yet to be declared. There's no oh, yeah. team that I can say is the best team. I mean, there's a lot of good teams. They're clustered, you know, and I don't think there's one team that you say, wow, they're dominant. Last year at this time, Philly was dominant. We knew Philly was dominant. Kansas City was struggling. Remember Kansas City on on Sunday night at Tennessee with Malik, uh, with Malik Willis playing quarterback, you know, and the Titans don't get a – and that game went to overtime? Kansas City has these peaks and valleys. But Philly, you know, Philly still, they're still not in their rhythm yet, but they win, and that's all that matters. Based on, like, the, that peaks and valleys that we've seen from numerous teams this year, I wonder who's the best at their best. Because to me, and I know that I'm biased as a San Francisco 49ers fan, I watch their games a lot more closely. But I feel like when San Francisco is at their best, they can beat anybody else at their best at this point. Yeah, me, so. me too. And, and, a part, and, all that, and, and that is because Purdy is really good. He won't get credit because they'll talk defense, they'll talk McCaffrey, they'll talk Debo. But when Purdy's throwing the ball with really good velocity and accuracy, they're hard to play. Kyle Shanahan, system quarterback. Yeah, right. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. If you haven't become a VSEN Pro subscriber yet, now is your best chance to sign up and save. Sign up on our Black Friday special today. You'll get VSEN Pro access to everything we do from now through May 1st for only $60. Sign up, you get access to daily best bets, unlimited access to our exclusive betting splits, premium analysis, and 24-7 video, plus all our betting guides and best bets for the upcoming College Bowls, the Super Bowl, and March Madness. Don't miss out, though. This is our new subscriber offer, Black Friday special. vsin.com slash subscribe is how you can do it. That's vsin.com slash subscribe. Alongside the one and only Michael Lombardi, Stormy Bon and Tony with you. And I've got a fun segment here today that our wonderful producer Stephanie Kamershack came up with called Terrible Tuesday. So that should have helped me remember what day it was. <laughs> What's wrong with me? So Terrible Tuesday. We're going to look at a few games here, Michael, that matches up two sub-500 teams facing each other. But sub-500 Tuesday, above like below average Tuesday, just didn't have the same ring to it. So Terrible Tuesday. You ready to do this? Let's get into it. Yep, let's do it. We're going to start with the New England Patriots who are laying three and a half points at the New York football giants. And your boy Bill Belichick came up today, Michael, and said that he told everybody in his quarterback to quarterback room to be ready. Mac Jones is reportedly still getting the majority of the first team reps. But after we saw him get benched last week, the talk of other guys maybe getting an opportunity, him needing a reset, take a step back. We're not sure who the quarterback's going to be yet. But who do you think gets the better of this terrible Tuesday matchup? The terrible Tuesday matchup, a lot of it's going to depend on what happens today on Tuesday's practice because I think Coach Belichick doesn't know really what to do. He wants to give somebody the starting job other than Mac Jones, but they're going to have to perform well in practice. And I think there lies the problem. You know, Bailey Zappi, for all the talk and swagger he had after the game throwing the interception, his preseason was horrible. He got cut. No one claimed him. They put him back on the practice squad. So he had a couple good games last year as a rookie, mostly against Cleveland, but that hasn't manifested itself moving forward. I don't know if Malik Cunningham can win the job. I I think if they put Mac Jones back out there, it's because they don't have an alternative. Shame on them for not having an alternative. They brought Will Greer in, but I don't think Will Greer really – I think Will Greer likes holding a clipboard. You know, you would think he would have the great opportunity to really take it, but he hasn't done it yet. Then uh, you look at the Giants side of this matchup, Michael. Everybody's doubting Tommy DeVito. He ends up having a three-touchdown, no-interception day in a huge win over the Washington Commanders, where despite, I mean, the Commanders turned the ball over six times in that game, and they still had an opportunity late in the game to win, had Sam (laughs) Howell not throw a pick six, which is crazy. But, like, what do you make of the Giants at this point in the season? Well, look, the Giants have played good defense at times. I mean, against against Dallas, they're playing good defense, create a turnover, and then when they went for it on fourth down, it all fell apart. Look, Dallas is a hard matchup for a lot of defenses, but against a bad offense like, like uh, New England, they'll play good defense. I think this will be a close game. I think DeVito, you know, did a smart thing by taking sacks and not trying to force the ball down the field. The concern you have if you're a Giant fan is – Every time Washington sent pressure, they got home. Like, DeVito froze in the moment and didn't know what to do with the football when it wasn't just a quick five out, get the ball out. So I think that's got to be the issue, and he's going against a good coach who knows how to attack a quarterback. I mean, Gardner Minshew struggled mightily against this New England defense, which wasn't getting pressure on him but was doing a good job of disguising the coverages. 
All right, we got another one here with the one and nine Carolina Panthers taking on the three and seven Titans in Tennessee. The Panthers are getting four total 37, but Tennessee, after we saw Will Levis in that debut really go off, have a monster day, has not been the same. Meanwhile, this Carolina team, I feel like every week we want to believe that they're going to take steps forward and then they seem to take two steps back. Yeah, this one's a terrible Tuesday for sure, right? (laughs) I mean... I mean, here's the problem with Will Levis is he can't do anything consistently. And they haven't been able to get their run game going. Now, maybe they can run the ball against them. I'm telling you, I was talking to a coach in the league yesterday. Don't Whoever goes into Carolina at the end, Bryce Young's a good player. He's small, don't get me wrong. He's got some Drew Brees-like quality to him. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't get any help from the scheme, and he definitely doesn't get help from the offensive line in the run game. But they didn't blow this pick. This isn't a Ryan Leaf-type pick. This isn't like, oh, my God, they're in trouble. This guy's got timing. He's got awareness now. He makes horrible decisions at times. But remember, he's you know he's going to have to get into a better system. I, I, this one, to me, I wrote in my notes after Sunday's game, all the Mike Vrabel dog conversations should get. This is a different team than Mike Vrabel's ever coached in his life. There's no stability at the quarterback position, and they can't run the ball. The biggest problem with the Titans, Stormy, this year, their offensive line is atrocious. So uh, I'm not going to say this is an Urban Meyer situation, but it's the immediate comp that comes to mind how much Trevor Lawrence struggled with Urban Meyer, and then mm-hmm. Doug Peterson steps in after a year, and it's a total change. Like, do you think with Bryce Young, if Frank Reich is after this year, if he's done after this year, that things change if he just has a different type of coaching staff and people around him? It depends on who they hire. I agree with that. I think if they hire a veteran coach, somebody with, somebody with some clout that can run the organization, because right now I think they've got way too many people trying to run the organization. And I think they've got a committee. And whenever you have a committee, it's a problem. Remember, they've never dedicated a monument to a committee. So I think Carolina's got to find a way. They've got to get J.C. Horn healthy. They've got to get Brian Burns healthy. But this offensive line has been a disaster all year. And it started this summer. And they haven't improved. That's the To me, if you're in the building and you're Frank Wright, I haven't been able to get this offensive line better. Something's got to give in this game. The Panthers 2-7-1 and one ATS this season. All as dogs, including 1-4 ATS on the road. I, I hate to say it. I actually lean taking the points with Carolina. But this is going to be a stay-away game for me. <laughs> firm, firm stay-away game for me. But the Titans, meanwhile, I say that. The Titans 1-5 ATS. They're like 6, including 0-3, their last three. This next one, I think, is pretty interesting. The 4-6 and six Rams... Laying one point in Arizona, taking on the Kyler Murray-led 2-9 and nine Cardinals, total 44-and-a-half, Cooper Cup day-to-day with a low ankle sprain. But if you had to make a bet on this terrible Tuesday game, Michael, where would you put your money? I think I'd put it on Arizona. And the reason I would is because I watched the Rams game against Seattle really closely, and Matthew Stafford's a warrior. He got beat up. He got hit a lot. I don't know if he can bounce back in, sh- in a short week time. This offensive line is not very good for the Rams. And the way the Card- now the Cardinals have a lot of injuries to their defense. I think they lost two more starters to their starting defense this week, which concerns me about taking them. But Murray knows how to make plays on San Francisco. Murray can, excuse me, on, on the Rams. He can move around and, you know, they don't have it. They'll make plays. They could get Zach Ertz back this week, which would be really helpful for their offense to go along with McBride and Rondell Moore and Hollywood and all those guys. So I would lean Arizona here only because I worry about the Rams being really not a healthy team, especially Stafford. He did not look good by the end of that game. Saints at the Falcons, a battle of the NFC South teams that people thought were going to be actually pretty good and exceed expectations. Not so much. Saints are five and five, Falcons four and six. Atlanta will start Desmond Ritter back at quarterback this week. Derek Carr still in concussion protocol on the other side. It is a one-point spread, total 42. How are you thinking about this one? Oh, man. You know, <laughs> I, I want to take that, Atlanta. That's all you need to say. Just, I want to uh. take Atlanta. I want to take Atlanta. I mean, we don't think – I mean, Winston's going to start. Has he cleared protocol yet? I don't think he has, right? I mean, Carr has not cleared protocol. 
I want to take I want to take Atlanta because I like Atlanta's team. They run the ball effectively. Lattimore's not going to be in the game. These are always close games back and forth. These two teams go back, you know, they play. So it's a pick em type of game. I lean Atlanta here. I got to do way more work on this. But, you know, Ritter has thrown the ball. But when you throw for 70 yards against the Arizona Cardinals, are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me? You're telling me that's the best you could come up with against them? Now, I know it was on the road, but still, this is, to me, Atlanta's got a chance to turn their season around, and this is the win they have to have. I thought they would win the South if they beat Arizona last two weeks ago. Obviously, that didn't happen. They got to win this one. So the hope, obviously, in starting Taylor Heineke was that either he goes off and he plays so well that we have to leave him in, or it becomes like a reality check reset moment for Desmond Ritter. Do you think that that ends up being the case? That Desmond Ritter's like, hey, okay, I've had to sit back. Now I'm ready to go and play more poised, play more controlled. Because like you said, he was throwing the football better. He's just turning it over. So can you reel that in? Right. Yeah, that's the thing. And they've got really good, you know, they can run the ball. Now, Cordell Patterson and Kyle Pitts were not seen at the beginning of practice yesterday. I don't know what that means. We'll see what happens with the practice report. Oh, man, just get Bijan Robinson the ball every once in a while, okay? If every time. Just, just give just, him the ball. Just just once in a while. I don't think I'm it's asking for much. It's not that complicated, much. Stormy. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break here. But as we mentioned earlier with Will Hill, it is rivalry week in college football. Excited to talk through some of the big games of the weekend on the college football slate with our guy Aaron Moore coming up next. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. There is so much to be thankful for. Friends, family, food, and NFL football all week long, ladies and gentlemen. And remember, DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping your Thanksgiving week full of action. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and score $150 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code VEGAS. That's V-E-G-A-S only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Welcome back into the Lombardi line alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Tony, and let's get some college football talk underway as we bring in great friend of the show, Aaron Moore, VEASAN.com writer, sports media professor who joins us this time every week to break down all things FBS. And Aaron, it is rivalry. Oh, gosh, man, I knew I was going to mess it up today. I was so careful earlier about saying it slow. Rivalry week. Don't say that 10 times fast because it will not go well for you. But Aaron Moore, obviously the big game of the week is going to be Michigan-Ohio State. But from a betting perspective, what's your favorite rivalry game in terms of the benefit to the better this week? You know what, Stormy? I think it really is over the last, I don't know, I want to say about 10 years. It really has Ohio State-Michigan as that best rivalry game. It used to be there was uh, different talk about who had the best rivalry. Was it Stanford, Cal? Was it USC versus Notre Dame? But really over the last 10 years, it's Ohio State, Michigan. That is the rivalry game to look at. And, And it's great that it happens to be on this holiday weekend. One of the more interesting things of looking at this game, regardless of what has happened in terms of the college betting, excuse me, the college football playoff rankings is these two teams in the past three years have scored a ton of points in this game. This game, 83 points in the last three years. And you can understand those offenses going up and down the field. But what is interesting this year is there's no C.J. Stroud. There's no Justin Fields. All of this talk about Kyle McCord coming into this game, I think that's the number one storyline. It's not Jim Harbaugh. It's not sign stealing. It's none of that. It is can Kyle McCord keep pace with Michigan because the problem has been for the last couple Ohio State teams, they've had better quarterbacks, but they couldn't keep pace with Michigan. Do you think, Aaron, that they'll let J.J. McCarthy throw the ball a little bit here? <laughs> I mean, I know he threw the bad interception against Maryland. They could have That Maryland game kind of turned when he threw that red zone pick. But, you know, I, I've seen him have good games throwing the football, and I think he's going to be the difference in the game, frankly, in terms of his ability to make plays. 
I think what's that what's contingent on JJ McCarthy throwing the ball is let's look at the weather. It's supposed to be in the high thirties in Ann Arbor, not expected to have a lot of weather issues. So he should be able to throw the ball. I do think what Michigan tries to do is they have a better, well-rounded offense. So I think Michigan is going to be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive side to hopefully create one of these up-and-down games that forces Kyle McCord to throw the ball, that makes Kyle McCord have to do decisions with other players besides Harrison. So I think you're going to see McCarthy throw the ball a little bit more in a way to make Ohio State play a little bit faster. And really, if Ohio State's going to win, it's going to have to be by McCord's hand. First time in five years that Ohio State has been an underdog in a Big Ten conference game, period. The last time was a similar spread in 2018 against Michigan, in which the Buckeyes ended up winning 62-39. That is not the result that I foresee happening this weekend, but we've definitely got a good one on our hands coming up, and I'm very excited about it. How about the Apple Cup? We've got Washington State, Washington going head-to-head, which, sidebar, I do think slash hope that Washington gets the bump in the College Football Playoff Selection Committee rankings coming out later tonight to supplant Florida State at number four and be in where things sit right now in that top four, but we shall see. They beat Oregon State in Corvallis um, this past weekend as a near-field goal underdog. Washington State, meanwhile, beat up on Colorado. 16-and-a-half point spread. What are you looking at? Uh, to, To go back to what you were saying, Stormy, I do think Washington gets a boost here. And the boost is not because of the Jordan Travis injury with Florida State. But look at what Washington's done. Four wins against ranked teams. They're the only team that has that many wins. So I think they deserve a boost. And if they're able to accomplish these four wins against ranked teams, then, yeah, they should be in that fourth spot. The Apple Cup, great game in terms of rivalry. And that's what we expect this weekend. I have gone against Washington the last few weeks thinking that this schedule that they have been playing is going to eventually catch up with them. They had a hell of a game last week against Oregon State. So you're heading into this game. I'm not going to look at the 16 and a half points either way. I'm going to look at the under. And I'm going to look at the under for the reason that Washington and what Michael Penix had last week was really one of his weakest performance. He still had a very good game. He threw for two touchdowns, had 162 yards. But it wasn't the same Michael Penix. I understand the weather was an issue in that Oregon State game. And, of course, when Washington, any games played in Washington, you never know when the weather might come back again. But I think 68 and a half is a little too much in terms of the total. And as good as the Washington offense has been this year, that's the second highest total for a Washington game this year, besides the USC game, which you would expect to have a high total. So I think that total is a little bit high. You have a rivalry game. The defenses might be able to step up a little bit. So I'm going to attack that game by taking the under 68 and a half points. Barry Odom has done a great job at UNLV. They came from behind to beat Air Force last week. This week they have San Jose State. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite, but you like them again this week. Yeah, You know what, Michael? Look at what the great job Barry Odom has done just by putting UNLV football on the map. It's been so many years since you never talked about UNLV football. So he's putting the football team on the map. Well, betters, what do they like? UNLV is 10-1 and one against the spread this year. So what they're doing is really translating well to the betting window. This Mountain West game has San Jose State, which is another big story. They're not doing as well as what Barry Odom has done in Las Vegas, but still San Jose State has done well in the Mountain West. But they've been able to play their games, the easy games at home, the hard ones on the road. And I just think what the San Jose State going now on the road to UNLV, it's just going to be a matchup that favors UNLV. And you got to take this 10-1 and team, ATS. You don't have that many more games. So if you want to get on the Barry Odom ATS train, there's not a lot of stops. Rebels, best cover team in college football. You love to see it. Um, Let's go to another kind of lower tier conference at this point. North Texas and UAB going head to head. Two four and seven teams that have struggled against new with new coaches. Both coming off of wins, though. It appears North Texas to be in a little bit better form. Do you agree? 
Yeah, I think that's a great way of saying it, Stormy. They're a little bit better. You have two middle-of-the-road to low-end AAC teams here. But look at North Texas. By no means are they a very good team. But look what they've lost in terms of they lost to SMU, UTSA, Memphis, and Tulane. They've lost to the better teams in the conference. What have they done is they've been able to win against the lower teams in the conference. So UAB gets a win. And now they're coming to North Texas. I really like North Texas in this situation where let's not look at how they've done against the top of the AAC standings. Let's look at the bottom. And they're not a bad team in terms of the bottom. You get UAB and the Trent Dilfer team on the road. I like North Texas at home here laying that field goal. Yeah. And how about the Iron Bowl? Alabama, Auburn. I know you don't have an official play on that one. You think all? I mean, it's always a close game. It's Auburn's uh, two touchdown dog here in the game, but again, it's always close. And you, will Alabama be peaking? I know Nick Saban was talking about this game two weeks ago before Chattanooga, so I know he's not looking past it. And you know, I think that obviously th- these are always hard games. It's always surprised to see fourteen. I've seen some fifteens out there too, Aaron. Yeah. So, Michael, in terms of this game, the last six games, the home team has covered. And that's one of the reasons why I don't have a play on it. And another reason I don't have a play on it is we talk about games in this situation, the rivalry games, teams that need a game to get bowl eligible when you have all these other factors going on. So look at UA or excuse me, look at Auburn. They lose last week to New Mexico State. In Hugh Freeze's season one, there's already talk that maybe he's going to be pushed out. So there's so many things going on in this game. And Alabama, as you said, is probably peaking at the right time. One of the things that we want to hope for is to be able to quantitate this type of information. And I just don't know how you put any numbers to it. And that's why I'm staying away from it. It's going to be an interesting game to watch. Obviously, if I had to lean anyway, I would lean with what Alabama has been doing recently. And as the college football playoff committee looks, Alabama needs to win. They need to win pretty, and they need to make a statement. So this is an opportunity to make a statement. However, I'm still going to sit it out just for that fact that the last six games, the home team has covered, and you just never know with these rivalry games. Alabama has a really good opportunity to make things interesting in the SEC over these next couple of weeks and uh, the college football playoff talk. Great stuff, as always, Aaron. So appreciative of your time. Thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. That is our guy, Aaron Moore. Make sure you follow him on X as well at Pub Relation Prof. Doing great stuff for us at VEASAN and always appreciate his college football knowledge on a Tuesday. See, Michael, I'm just reinforcing. It is Tuesday. It is not Wednesday. I don't know what's wrong with me. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. Keep it locked on VEASAN, the sports betting network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. If you want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see changes in the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. We're always improving our betting splits and recently added soccer betting splits from around the world as well. Betting splits, another way vcin's here to make you a more informed better year-round. Check out those betting splits for every game at vcin.com, which actually leads us to our pro tip of the hour. We do these every single day here on the Lombardi line. And Michael, it's Thanksgiving week. There's going to be a whole lot of casual bettors that are getting involved in some of these games for the holiday, for Thanksgiving, for Black Friday, which means we're going to see these numbers change a lot. So you keep an eye on these betting splits. If you get an idea of maybe where some of these yeah. lines are moving, that can help you better. Oh, yeah. yeah, like because I just keep thinking, like, let's look at this Lions Packers game, for example. Let's just say you know that the public loves favorites. You think that people are going to jump on the Lions. This number is going to get up. But you like the Packers in this game. You think it's a good matchup, for example. And you say, I'm just going to wait until I get the better number. There's opportunity, I think, on the board for instances like that this week. Yeah, no question. You have to just kind of see where what's happening. And then, you know, the short week, Detroit, you know, last, I mean, Detroit got beat. They had three turnovers against Seattle. They came back the next week against Atlanta and won convincingly. So they kind of woke up. And then last week was the only, I think, the second time in his career where Goff threw three interceptions, found a way to win that game, unprobable in the last four minutes to go, and they did. Look, Green Bay, the last time they played, gave up 220 yards on the ground. And when Detroit can run the ball on the ground like they did against the Chargers, like they've done in other games, you know, they're hard to play. And one thing we saw last week, in spite of what Brendan Staley said about how great they played defensively, the Packers, that was by far their best game offensively of the season. The last two weeks, the Packers have played the best they they have all year offensively. Almost had a 300-yard passer. They've been over 390 yards of offense the last two weeks. And one of those games was against a Pittsburgh Steelers defense that I think we all largely consider to be a strong unit. So again, just food for thought, but casual bettors bet a ton on these holidays. And so those odds are going to be changing likely right up until the opening kickoff come Thursday. Um, betting splits available at vcin.com, searchable by sport and by show. And let's continue to look at some of these games, Michael, that have pretty lopsided money and tickets where mm. things sit right now. Another one of those games, the Dallas Cowboys taken on the commanders, 70% of the handle and bets are laying double digits with Dallas in this spot, fading a commander's team that looked atrocious last week against the giants. Well, look, the commanders, they play, if, if they play Philly, they play well, but let me give you some, you know, I was going through this this morning, the Cowboys, you know, since they've always played on Thanksgiving, you know, they, they are they are always a team that, you know, you have a, there's a lot of data on them on Thanksgiving. And they have struggled of late in terms of their Thanksgiving performance. You know, they haven't played nearly as well as they typically would. They haven't covered. I think they're 0-11. Did I read that to you, Stormy? I was yep. looking at that today. They are 1-11 in their past 12 Thanksgiving games dating back to 2011. That's crazy. They failed to cover the spread. Now, here's the important thing. In the last 11 years, they failed to cover the spread by 11.8 points. They're on a four-game heater of not covering the spread, right? They're on a four-game heater. The Cowboys are a bad Thanksgiving team 
all the other favorites are really good. That's crazy to think about. But, I know. Well, and so that's that's one of those things, Michael, that makes me want to stay away from this game because you look at it on the surface and you think, okay, Dallas, largely with the exception of the game against the Arizona Cardinals, when they've been a big favorite, they've handled business against the Giants twice, um, last week against the Carolina Panthers. You see what we saw on display with this Washington team. You know their defensive struggles. You know they're kind of packing it in the way that they've offloaded talent at the trade deadline with Montez Sweat and Chase Young. Like, it makes you want to like the Cowboys. And then you hear something like that, and you remember a couple years ago when the the Raiders beat them as a huge underdog and you're like, oh, maybe I maybe I need to stay away from that one after all. Yeah, I mean, last year, the Giants, the, the Giants went in there as a 10 point dog and they covered 28 to 20. I mean, they lost the game, but they covered. So, you know, the, the there are times when it happens, but this Cowboy team just doesn't seem to play as well as you think they would on Thanksgiving. I think they're six and 12 against the spread since 2005, Stormy. So, you know, look, on paper, it looks like they should. And they dominated Carolina last week. They got a lot of calls that went their way. They weren't bad calls. You know, horse collar, stupid decisions by Carolina, poor, poor, poor in the game. But, you know, look, they're, they're humming right now. They're moving the football. But Washington, for whatever reason, plays well in the divisional games, except the Giants. They can't beat the Giants <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, I've Which still makes just... no sense at all, right? It's yeah, right. Um, but they pl- they play the Eagles so well and close. Washington's a very interesting team. But that I, I can't get over that stat about the Cowboys. I did not know that. I'm gonna have to do some more research on this game for sure. How about the San Francisco 49ers? They've got the Seattle Seahawks, a big favorite in this game as well. 78% of the handle, 81% of bets. So it seems like everybody is backing the 49ers in the spot. They beat Seattle all three matchups, including in the wild card round last year in the playoffs. Um, despite that being a season where Geno Smith was playing his best football, now dealing with an injury, the there is a belief that there's no structural damage, according to head coach Pete Carroll, for Geno Smith and the tricep that he's been dealing with that kicked him out of the game a little bit this past weekend. Do you agree with the way that the money is coming in on San Francisco? Well, I, I do because I think the money initially started to come in because they weren't healthy. You know, everybody's worried about Smith. And then, you know, but when you look at Pete Carroll over his career at, at home, you know, when he's been a dog, and I think you have to go back to 2011 when New Orleans went up there, he was a nine and a half point dog. They were just getting their program going then, and they won 41 to 36. Then he was a seven and a half point dog to the Rams in 18. They lost 33 31. Then he was a seven point dog to Baltimore in 2011. Again, they won that one, and then they have to go back to 10. I mean, he's never really been this big of a dog. I go back to the playoff game, right? I mean, that was a close game where Geno's driving it down, and all of a sudden it looks like they're going to score and tie the game, and the next thing you know they have that turnover, and it's a, I think they won by 14 or 10 or something. They took the game back over. One thing we do know, Seattle is not really good in these divisional battles. They have struggled. Pete has struggled here when, you know, when they, ha- when they face an, a, a divisional opponent. You know, he's one of the least profitable coaches when it comes to that area, which is concerning because they've got some good players. But Kyle knows how to attack the scheme, much like McVay, and they get the lead. And then when you have to play from behind, it becomes a real problem. You know, and it's interesting, too, because in this matchup for years, it seemed like Pete Carroll was was winning this, whether it was against the spread, whether it was straight up. Like, they just seemed to have the 49ers number. Last couple years, that narrative has completely flipped, and we obviously know how much success San Francisco has had against the division straight up and ATS this season. Let's go to uh, that Giants team that we were just talking about a little bit ago. They're getting three and a half points against the New England Patriots, and all of the money and bets appear to be taking the points with Tommy DeVito this week because they liked what they saw last week, and uh, the Patriots uh. and their quarterback situation are one to that's uh, leaving something to be desired that's for sure well look I mean uh, you know look when you watch the, the the New England Patriots I mean they turn the ball over and they do what the Giants typically have done they don't play clean games and they turn the ball over and they're going they would have a hard time if they can't run the ball and they have to put the ball in Mac Jones's hands that's not going to be a good thing for the Patriots so now, I think a lot of before you bet this game, you better be really careful here because of the injury report. I mean, they've, Judon is supposedly may practice this week. We'll see. They need him back, right? 
They're supposed to be healthy this week. They've missed Trent Brown for the last two weeks. Connor McGovern had a Connor McCormick had a play left tackle. So they've been moving pieces around. They're supposed to be healthy. We'll see where they are at their corner situation. But that that's something to look into. And where are the Giants? I mean, the Giants went down to Washington and their secondary. Adoree Jackson didn't play. They had a bunch of guys hurt. It didn't bother them. I mean, Washington was more than willing to give the ball away at any moment. Michael, I know we always love these like fun facts and nuggets. This is one I came across for this game. If this line stays at three and a half or higher, no two and eight team or worse has been a road favorite of at least that many points since the strike in 1986. That's wild. Wow. Like, wow. It's yeah. It's um very very telling about the state of the the New York Giants in this spot. But um, I'll be curious to see who ultimately ends up playing quarterback for the New England Patriots this week. We talked about you, it a little bit earlier. Will that determine your bet? I mean, if Bailey Zappi's playing, are you going to lay the three and a half? Like, I don't think I'm doing it either way. Like, can you imagine we could get a Bailey Zappi-DeVito game? Oh, man. See, that's a game that should be on Black Friday because it's a black hole type of a game. <laughs> that's the way I think of that that's one. That's exactly <laughs> what it should be on. Exactly. Oh, man. That's a wrap for us today. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, as always, right here on the Lombardi Line. Uh, We will be back same time, same place tomorrow, where we're going to take a deep dive into these Thanksgiving games, into the actual Black Friday game, which is Raiders-Miami, by the way. we got Thursday, Stormy. Yes, we're going to be filling in on Follow the Money Thursday morning, bright and early. So mark your calendar. Make sure we get in all those bets. Have a great day. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.